Welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree Annotators. I'm Dave series looking for their insights on the inspirations behind the work and ideas or hidden material readers may have missed. Today I'm excited to welcome Rob Gilroy, creator of Farmhand, one of my favorite ongoing comics since 2018. Farmhand invites us into a world of literal human body parts farming where nearly all ailments can seemingly be cured by miracle transplants. In this world where new limbs grow on trees, there's all sorts of family and town drama, not to mention some excellent comedy and a supernatural mystery at the heart of the emerging science. Rob, thanks so much for joining today. Uh, can you tell us initially how Farmhand came to be? Uh, what brought you to telling the story? Uh, well, I mean, prior to this, I kind of, uh, you know, I've been working eight years in a book called Shoe for Image Comics, um, which was a really, really weird book. And I, I kind of, uh, I broke my teeth. I, I cut my teeth in comics with that book. Um, and after it was, you know, as it was winding down, we always knew it was a 60-issue run, uh, and we were coming to that in, uh, in early 2016. Um, so I kind of started thinking, you know, what what the hell am I going to do next? Um, yeah. You know, I kind of dug out all the old ideas, and, you know, every every creator has a ton of ton of post-it notes with crap scribbled down on them. Um, sure. So I took everything out and started rifling through it all and hated everything I had. <laughs> so yeah. uh, immediately just kind of started... Uh, jotting down tons of new ideas and new concepts and eventually just had this really weird idea this kind of image of a uh, a tree with body parts growing off of it hmm. um and it was this really creepy kind of striking image and i immediately got the hook it's like oh okay so this is uh an uh, organic farmer who grows uh, human organs uh that makes sense um and it just grew from there for the next year i kind of spent time uh, just kind of developing it shaping what the story would be uh, at the end of 2016, as we wrapped up Chew, I, about a month later, uh, I wrote the first script for, for issue one. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a few years since then. Cool. Very cool. Now, when you're developing a concept like that, do you, do you start like writing out ideas first? Or does, do you actually visually begin processing? You know, you mentioned like the tree and the limbs. Do you start like actually sketching that before you even get to story beats, essentially? It kind of depends on what the, what the, what the concept is. Uh, yeah. In this case... Uh, I think I just started jotting down. I, I started a, a pitch document pretty quickly um, sure. and just started writing down, you know, and asking myself questions. Uh, a lot of it was just long walks in my driveway uh, of just kind of talking to myself and saying, okay, well, what kind of guy would grow human organs? Uh, why would he do it? What's the world like? What, what, are the, what would the primary usage be? And yeah. it just it grew out from there. Um, really, you know, it's going to be a pun, but it was very organic. Uh, how, how it <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, <laughs> it would yeah, have so. to be given the given the subject matter. Um, so, Farmhand is is your first big creator on work where you're writing and drawing, like you mentioned, coming off of Chew, uh, incredibly acclaimed run, one of my favorite comics of all time. Um, that that you drew the whole, I think all sixty plus issues, right? Was was yeah. all you? Yeah, which is you know a pretty incredible run. Um, how big of a challenge was it to leap from? the the art and storytelling side to doing it all on farmhand because even even on chew you know you have you have more of a voice you have more of a personality i think than a lot of times art can be associated with in comics like you had all these written in jokes and and mm -hmm. you think right clearly you were like getting to voice you know your opinion and obviously it's a collaboration between you and, and writer john layman um yeah. but now it's totally you it's you on farmhand how, how big a jump is that for you it was pretty huge yeah uh, i mean just on the 
I mean, you know, for eight years while I was working on shoe, it was basically me just kind of hanging out uh, in my room alone, just drawing every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just get up every day and, you know, put the headphones on and just draw a page. That was my goal for eight years. And uh, I didn't have to deal with too much of the business aspects of it. You know, I, I had my own like career to manage, but as right. far as like, you know, dealing with image, uh, a lot of the press stuff and uh, the Hollywood stuff, all that. I, I wasn't dealing with all of it because John was. Yeah. Um, so the second I started doing all of this, you know, writing the scripts, drawing the thing, and then, you know, managing a letterer and a colorist and a graphic designer and, you know, dealing with image and working out marketing um, and then starting to kind of branch out and kind of put out feelers in Hollywood and handle the press and do the conventions. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty darn intense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No. And that, that is fascinating. Like even cause we, we so often like as fans and as readers take for granted, like, okay, you're doing the literal storytelling and that's a lot of work on its own, but it's, it's all that whole business side of things is yeah. obviously no, no small thing. Um, I was going to say this for later, but you mentioned it, you know, like the, the Hollywood side of things, like you've already got, um, from what I've seen in stories is, is AMC signed on in some capacity to look at farmhand here. I know Chu has had like, it, it seems like a thousand different stories over the years. It feels where, like a thousand different stories. Yeah, yeah. Like how how did the experience on Chew, I guess, help you uh, in, in that specific regard in terms of like, okay, I've seen what that property's gone through in terms of managing a business, whether it be getting it to Hollywood or just marketing in general. Like what what are some of the bigger lessons you learned there that you're trying to to use now? Uh, don't do anything we did before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think we were, we didn't, we weren't ready for the response we got with you. You know, it was, sure. like I said, it was my first big book. John had been around the industry for a while, but this is really the first time he kind of just got to do his own thing. Yeah. Um, and he, he didn't expect it to do anything. You know, he was, I was, you know, the young guy, I was only in my mid twenties when I started working on you. Sure. Um, so I was, I kept telling him like, you know, I think this is really good. I think this is, this is special. And uh, he just kept telling me, you know, I'm really worried about you, Rob. You know, you're you're gonna get your heart you're gonna get your heart broken. Um, and then it happened. And I mean, the second we announced it, uh, it came out in June of twenty of uh, two thousand nine. Yeah. Uh, we announced it, I think, in February that year. The second it got announced, we started getting emails from Hollywood, just based on the announcement. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that was interesting. And it wasn't like little small, uh, you know, studios. It was like big name, reputable people. Um, but I think we weren't really ready for it. Um, you know, we, we kind of, you know, we, we figured, well, you know, we know comics, but we don't know Hollywood. So, you know, they know what's best. So let's like, just give it to them and let them do whatever, whatever they want with it, yeah. which, which is a colossal mistake. Um, and I think we paid for it. And I mean, we, we, we had some cool experiences in the process. It was definitely like a, a, a an eight year journey of just, uh, learning uh, what not to do and what to do. Yeah. Uh, so whenever we walked out, whenever I walked away from that, you know, I, I think I was a little jaded about the whole thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we had had so many calls with people telling us, you know, you know, doing this typical Hollywood thing of like giving you, you know, we're going to bring this one big name person in. We're going to bring in this guy, this guy. And it just never went anywhere. Um, yeah. So whenever I announced Farmhand, uh, I immediately got interest uh, from Hollywood and I I decided then and there, you know, I'm going to be offensively honest um, and try to scare these people away. Yeah. And 
if they if they stick around, then maybe there's something to them. And that's immediate. That's what I did was I just told them, look, you know, this is this was my previous experience with Hollywood. I'm really not that impressed. I would be okay if Farmhand was never anything. Yeah. But a comic. Um, but if this does become something, you know, this is what I want. I want to be involved. Uh, I want to kind of oversee things. I want to write some of the episodes. Um, I want to, I want to be, you know, controlling this thing. I understand there's like network considerations and things like that. Sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a collaboration, obviously, uh, more so than it is in the comic. The comics is very much, you know, a pure vision, uh, that, that I'm putting together. Sure. Um, so surprisingly that that was you know the folks that i was talking to with amc and a few other people they were they they wanted that you know they wanted me to be involved they wanted my voice they wanted me writing episodes they wanted they wanted you know they 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 gave me more than i was expecting them to give me nice Uh, yeah so it's been a it's been a really cool experience good deal and where are you at like in the process currently i'm writing the pilot uh it's been a slow process with uh with the covid and the lockdown and everything yeah, sure. But it's been really, really positive. Uh, I've learned a ton, and uh, the draft that we have so far is really solid. I think it's it's very true to the book, um, but it, it is it's you know the thing I learned writing it was, you know, comics is a very limited medium in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we only get twenty to thirty pages a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few panels per page with a little dialogue sprinkled here and there around the images. Um, you know, when you're, you know, versus like television, which can be, you know, half an hour to an hour worth of just, you know, a lot of things happening, a lot of dialogue, a lot of action. Um, so, you know, I was able to expand the universe in a way that I couldn't in the comic, which was nice. Yeah. Did you have a lot of ideas kind of on like the cutting room floor, just by the nature of comics that you're able to now sort of like resurface and, and, you know, build more depth? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly character depth. Um, yeah. There was a lot of backstory, especially with the family. Like I knew, you know, generational, uh, you know, curses and ties uh, and trauma are a big part of what Farmhand is. Right. Um, and, you know, I've tapped into that with the comic, but I knew there was way more uh, with like, you know, grandparents and great grandparents and just like different wings of the family mm. uh, that I, I wanted to get into that. I just don't think I have the time to in the comic. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, you have to, in farmhand, you do that, that blend of using flashbacks sparingly uh, yeah. here and there. It's a bit right to build both the mystery and sort of this family and their history over time. So I'm really looking forward to seeing hopefully uh, how that comes out in, in TV. But so, so looking at the comic then a little more directly, um, you mentioned, okay, there's this, this really, it's a story of this family, right? And they, the, the father figure here, Jed, he's the, um, the proprietor of this this human transplant you know endeavor that is this miracle cure but obviously as farmhand progresses increasingly it becomes you know a, a bigger and bigger problem um there there seem to be and just from reading like your backup notes and some stuff and interviews you've done elements of autobiography to farmhand uh, the protagonist for example is a comics creator himself right how do, how do you decide sort of what to reveal from your own experience versus what to keep personal? What is that push and pull for you? I think there's more, uh, in terms of autobiography, I think it's way more uh, met- metaphor than yeah. direct one-to-one. You know, this happened to me in the comic. You know, uh, a girl broke up with me in real life, so like a girl breaks up with me in, re- in the comic. Yeah, yeah. Like, not that kind of thing. Uh, it's more, it's it's very, very metaphorical, and it's, there's a lot of uh, symbolism in the comic 
Uh, and like I said, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. I mean, even with uh, the main character, Zeke, you know, I knew the second I made him a comic creator that everyone was going to say, oh, it's clearly Rob's doing himself. Right. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm actually like, I look back, uh, one of my favorite writers is Stephen King. Mm. Uh, and when I look at his old stuff, uh, my favorite book of his was Salem's Lot, yeah. um, which I believe was his first. Uh, and it features, you know, he's, it's, it, the stars are, he's a writer. Yeah, he's a, this, this writer who goes back town to the small town of Salem and, you know, gets caught up in all this craziness. And, uh, you know, I just, I always liked that. So I just yeah. figured, you know, I, I know comics. I know that kind of mindset, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. You just have fun with it. Um, but yeah, I've gotten some flack and people have said, you know, oh, it's, you know, you're just, what, what, what if this is real? It's like, well, I don't have like a body <laughs> part. Like I don't have a body part farm back home. Like yeah, that. yeah. You know, not quite that. We do have uh, some therapy to hash out, I think. If, uh, if that's your <laughs> actual family we're working, relationship. We're working through it. Right, right. <laughs> okay, good deal. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you mentioned the Stephen King influence, and there's there's definitely like, in Chew to a degree, but in Farmhand, there's a real element of horror to all of this. You know, like it is inherently kind of gross. And I, I think you play that up both, both at for comedy, but also like it can be pretty pretty like concerning the way there's these sort of yeah. zombified you know plant plant zombies walking around um what do you think it is about like caking the the horror in comedy that that you take to so naturally in storytelling is that something you've always done in your work uh or is that just sort of like this is my personality um or did you develop that even like on you like that was just that was kind of a comedy book at heart you know yeah uh i mean some of it's just natural to me I mean, yeah. I kind of have, uh, I, I kind of have, a, I can have a dark sense of humor, um, and I find that comedy and, and horror are not that far apart. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pretty close. Um, so, you know, I, like with a book like Chew, where, you know, we were juggling so many things. Um, you know, you had your 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 horror, you had your comedy, you had, uh, you know, you had different kinds of comedy, frankly. You had mm -hmm. you know, the physical comedy, comedy, the slapstick. You had like the more subtle things, like the Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I think I've just gotten pretty good at juggling. It's just, I mean, I look at life. I mean, life itself is pretty complex, and we come in and out of different moods and different genres all the time in our day to day. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go from, you know, crying to laughing in a heartbeat. You know, things are very, you know. There is no clear line between these things. So whenever I kind of approach the comic page and the story, I kind of treat it that way. Again, like a really like organic way. Like I yeah. find humor just kind of shows up sometimes and it's not something I have to I have to make happen. Um, and I mean, when you're dealing with, you know, my visual style, my art style, uh, again, the humor just kind of shows up sometimes because naturally I see it in my head that way. It comes to the page that way. And horror is no different. I mean, if if horror is actually very easy for me to write, horror is probably the most the most easy thing for me to write. Um, which maybe that's concerning. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's very easy. Uh, I knew that I would start in a place where it was, you know, like I, I think of it in terms of uh, of rhythm from the first issue onward. And I knew the first issue was going to be really complex. It was going to have a lot of moving parts. It was going to introduce all the different, you know, there's going to be horror and there's going to be this family thing, this warm and cuddly family thing. 
with yeah. some some goofy humor. But I knew as you know, as the first arc went along, uh, it was going to have it was going to be a bit more benign. Like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to hit you with the hard horror in the first arc. Yeah. Like I was kind of saving it. Like I, I was really like uh, picking my spots. So you know, I thought issue five would be the big moment at the end of that arc where I would drop, you know, I drop a bomb and you'd see something, you'd see something really horrific with mm-hmm. the Thorn character that you weren't expecting. But I knew that the next arc was going to be darker because we had established all these, all this stuff. We'd st- established a foundation in the first arc. So second arc is going to be heavier. It's going to be, it's going to hit a little harder mm-hmm. and it's going to go faster, which is what happened. So by that, by the time the arc ends, uh, I think I surprised some people with how dark it went. Sure, um, yeah. Because again, I think it was David Harper over at Sketch uh, mm-hmm. had said something about you know that I had been the comedy guy for so long. You know, I was yeah. the goofy, the goofy, like silly guy. You know, but then in issue nine, when you see Thorn as she really is uh, for the first time, it gets really dark, really quickly, and yeah. it, I think it freaked him out a little bit, which I I took as a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and the more you go along, uh, issue 15, I don't know if you've read that one yet. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it gets pretty freaking heavy. Right, um, for sure. Yeah. No, by that by that third arc, it, calling it the comedy book is like, it's not it's not that anymore, <laughs> you know? Like, And that's clearly like a conscious decision, I think, on, right. on your part creatively. Um, it's very effective. I guess how much going into it, how much did you want to move away from maybe that label? Like, is that... like? maybe not even like throw it away because obviously it's work you're proud of um mm-hmm. but how much it was in your head like i want to show i can do other things you know i want to show there's more to me creatively it was very very deliberate i mean yeah. i i mean if you look at the first issue the very first page it starts off with a little goofy humor you know it right. starts off and it, i mean i thought it opening up with uh you know dead chickens in a in a, in a chicken yard was very fitting coming from Chew, which was all about bird flus and chickens. Yeah, yeah. The um, poil the poil wounds are still uh too open, right? right for a lot right. of people. It was perfect. It was a perfect yeah. kind of way to bring in people who only knew me from this one thing and bring them into this thing. And it starts off kind of goofy with the two kids. Yeah. And then the very next page, it immediately gets really dark really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I wanted to establish that I could carry something very complex uh that was a bit heavier than Chu ever was um mm-hmm. i mean Chu had some heavy moments but for the most part i think for the most part i don't think i i think i was kind of the goofy comedy guy who could draw anything mm-hmm. um you know i could draw a golem made out of spaghetti you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know right. I, I absolutely <laughs> did and i think i'm good at that but i wanted to bring a, a completely different uh, dynamic to who I was as a creator, so that's that's sure. been my focus with Farmhand. Nice, no, very cool. I think it no, it comes across definitely in the work because it's it, it had that feel initially, and I'll admit, like my when I checked out the first issue, it was definitely like, oh, like yeah, I love Rob's art on Chew. Like I'm really curious to see what he can do trying to do it all because that's mm-hmm. something we see in comics like every now and again, right? Where mm-hmm. someone who's previously known as an artist is like, okay, they're going to progress into telling their own stories what does that look like? And in your case, it's like, there's a, there's a clear progression, I think, which is, which is cool to see of like, Oh, this is you when you're on your own. Like this is, you do have a different storytelling sensibility, even though it's very much like it, it could fit in a almost shared universe with you. I think, you know, like there's 
obviously those sensibilities don't totally go away, um, which we is awesome. Actually, we talked about it. I mean, John and I kind of, uh, there, there's some seeds. I mean, again, another pun. Uh, there's some seeds in farmhand for some potential crossover. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff in it that no one has caught. I don't think. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. In there. Um, so I think we've talked about doing a crossover. I mean, we just did a crossover with Chew and uh, Outer Darkness, John's yeah. other book. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of time. We've already talked about doing maybe a, a one shot Chew Farmhand, uh, maybe kind of like a flip book, kind of how we did uh, Chew and uh, Revival back yeah, in the day. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it could cross over pretty easily, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. It would it would work pretty smoothly. Um, I would look forward to that a lot. So you, you mentioned uh, John in, and you collaborated on the Outer Darkness Chew crossover not too long ago. And uh, the writer John Lehman is now, he's launching a Chew CHU yeah. series coming from Image. What's it like for you to not be a part of that? Is there, um, or, you know, like, obviously, like, your mm -hmm. your collaborators and, and I take it still friends. Um, what, is it weird to see like the Chew universe continuing, uh, while you're kind of off doing your own thing or did you, did you want to have a part of that or like, what's your, what's your experience there? We, we talked about it. I mean, everything, yeah. you know, I mean, way back, I mean, when, whenever Chew finished, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And I was, I was, I knew that I, I always knew, I mean, before I even started working on Chew in 2008, I was, I was always writing my own stuff. Um, and I always intended to get back to that and, you know, hopefully use the Chew fan base that we got and kind of like build upon that. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I was terrified. It was really it's scary to kind of take that leap, especially when, you know, I've been comfortable for the last eight years doing Chew. Um, right. So I was, I was asking John like crazy, like, Hey, you know, what, uh, what else you got? Maybe we can do something else. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, he had nothing for me. You know, he had, he had, he actually had Chew Outer Darkness. Uh, I think he wrote Chew Outer Darkness before we finished Chew. I, I could be wrong. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He's been sitting around for years and uh, I just, it just, it didn't feel like my thing. Like I think Afu Chan, Chan did a way diff, diff, better job than I would have done carrying that story. Hmm. Um, but I, so he, by the time he came back with a Chew story, I was already working on Farmhand. Yeah. Um, so eventually he came back with, uh, Chew CHU and uh, I loved it and I actually I did do a couple of character sketches for it um, sure. but it just it didn't it wasn't the right time I mean I have so much other stuff going on and uh, Dan Boltwood who's the artist on Chew is phenomenal I've been a fan of his I mean for years yeah. um, he brings a very different thing to the table but that's a good thing sure um, yeah so but I mean I, I would be lying if I said it's uh, it's not like you know, it is kind of like having a kid. I have three kids. Uh, yeah. my, my daughter is four. Uh, well, she's no, she's six now. Um, and I imagine it's probably a lot like having a daughter and then the guy shows up to take her out on the first date. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, take care of my daughter. Right. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, seriously. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that sense of love and care and all that that you put into it for sure. Right. Yeah. Even we've, we've been, we built this thing for a really long time. I mean, John and I spoke on a daily basis every day. For yeah. eight years building this thing and uh yeah and I, i'm a little protective but i mean it's in it's in good hands but it is a little weird uh to see new shoe come up shoe work come out and it's not mine yeah yeah, yeah. no i think it would have to be no it's, yeah. that's that's interesting um well i look forward to the the farmhand chu potential crossover that's coming because yeah. that could be that could be a good deal mm -hmm. um i was going to ask you as well like 
so you you had this really interesting experience where you're pretty singularly focused on a work that was critically acclaimed, Eisner nominated, I believe you guys won a handful of Eisners um, for the work. And now, you know, you come into the market, not quite a decade later, right? But Farmhand's launching into like, comics are in a slightly different place, right? Than when she launched. What you mentioned personally, like, okay, the business side, getting used to being, you know, the sole owner of this property. What do you, what do you see changing in the, like the overall market, like landscape for comics now that you're, running the farmhand show yourself like what is it to you that seems the most different what has changed for the, the better or the worse you know etc yeah i that's a hard hard question sure um, it, it's a completely different market i mean i think we hit in 2009 we hit at just the right moment um and i think we were at in 2009 we were we were in event fatigue yeah. um i think there was like this this wave of events that marvel was doing i think it was like uh Secret Invasion and Dark Rain and all this. It's just is the event on top of the event on top of the event. And everything yeah. was really serious and very dark. Yes. Um, yeah. And then we came out as this goofy little like cannibal cop book. And, uh, you know, it kind of did way more than we ever ex expected. And then right sure. after that, like the image revolution happened. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how to answer that, honestly. I mean, I think. Obviously, there's more work than there's ever. There's more quality work than there's ever been. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the tricky thing about that is, you know, we we're we're more competitive than we've ever been. Also, and we're yeah. not just competing with comics. We're competing with Netflix. We're competing with everything. Right. We're competing, we're competing with online news. I mean, it's just. I mean, we there's there's only so many hours in the day, and people have so little attention, and yeah. we're all fighting for it. Yeah. Um, so I think it feels like to me uh, that people are going to start investing more in creators and less on franchises. Because mm. um, I've had a lot of conversations. I mean, even after finishing Chew, and especially in the last couple of years, you know, when I go to a convention or I talk to another pro, that pro is sweating about what am I like? How, what is next? Like, how mm. do I get? How do I? How do I grab my people? Uh, you know, the people that are the most loyal to me that buy all my stuff, no matter what I put out and how do I, right. how do I lock them in, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I could see more self-publishing. Um, I could see probably more experimentation with, and I, I'm speaking, I mean, purely also, I mean, not just from talking to other people, but also stuff I'm thinking about. Sure. Uh, yeah. Experimentation with just possibly digital comics, maybe subscription models. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to just cut out the BS and just deal directly with my people. Yeah. Um, I, but beyond that, honestly, I'm a little concerned at the, at the direct market. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm worried because I talk to a lot of comic creators. <laughs> Tell, I, give me, give me all the direct market answers <laughs> right well, now. <laughs> I'm a little worried because I, I talk, I feel like I'm talking to more and more, comic creators who've made made a living at this for a really long time yeah and more and more of them are really concerned about right. you know i don't know if i can keep doing comics you know I'm, I'm i may move on to video games or i may move on to you know something in hollywood or something sure right uh, that, that concerns me um especially coming out of a covid situation with shops closing like crazy um i i, I don't know what's next honestly yeah yeah, no, it's it's an interesting time because um, I they just had the Comic Con and and 
book scan numbers and all that stuff. I don't know if you're how closely you're following that, but like 2019 was a, a record setting year in terms of comic sales. But then so much of that is young, young adult or even kids yeah. type stuff, right? With like artists like uh, Dave Pilkey on Dogman is this this like powerhouse phenomena. It's it's really interesting the way comics aren't what I think of them as as a big superhero fan growing up and as now you know that image revolution being like really formative and me getting into comics as a as a going to the shop reader right like the actual market isn't necessarily that even though that still exists and still does business right um you mentioned like you know these like subscription model or obviously just like like self-published kickstarter type stuff which i'm increasingly feeling almost like i have to back Kickstarter stuff, not just because I want to support certain creators, but also like it becomes this thing where it has a rarity to it that is hard to capture where it's like, oh, this won't be on Comixology or I can't get this in my shop. I have to back it or I don't get it, you know, which is interesting. Yeah, I think there's an urgency that I think people kind of miss in the direct market. Um, Because I, I have a lot of fans that, you know, they, you know, they'll move over from getting the floppies and they'll go to the trades. Which yeah. is cool. I get that. Uh, the problem is, if too many people do that, we may not get a trade. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the floppies keep the lights on. So if you're jumping over, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You may not get a book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think having having people realize the that it is an urgent situation. That if you really do believe in a, uh, in a creator or the story they're telling, you need to invest. And I think that is the beauty of a Kickstarter. You get to see, well, you know, if I don't, if I don't jump on this bandwagon now, there is no other opportunity to do that. Right. Uh, that, that goes a long way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's a perpetual tug and pull. I think it'll yeah. be like, I don't, I think certainly I'm a believer that comics are, are here to stay mm-hmm. <laughs> that creative voices, you know, that are going to find a way. It's just a matter of, okay, what is that actual outlet? Because I don't think anyone, right now would say like no change is coming i think especially like you mentioned the pandemic is eye-opening for literally every single business i work in marketing and it's like i cover a lot of sectors they're all changing like this is you know it's huge um and and comics are not immune to that obviously as we've seen so and and um, retailers really retailers need to be open to to experimenting also mm -hmm. Um, i mean as soon as the COVID lockdown happened i mean there were tons of uh kind of distribution groups that showed up just kind of people just talking about how to how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Right. And there seemed to be an openness to, you know, experiment and try new things. But then the second someone would kind of chime in with a new thing, he would immediately get shut, shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, old, old dogs don't want to learn a new, a new trick a lot of times. Yeah. That's just easier, right? It's easier exactly. to keep doing exactly. what you've done. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's a, it's a new day. I think we need to experiment with something different, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. No, and there have been like there have been a lot of cool experiments that have launched in the wake of this. You know, I've definitely gotten more into like Instagram comics and um, like Ice Cream Man creative team was doing that quarantine comics thing uh, mm-hmm. where they're doing like three, four page stories. So there were all these little things de- like creativity develops right in that in that open space. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what you what you wind up uh, tackling there because obviously it's not an easy answer, but there's right. there's opportunity for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're currently on a break. Fifteen issues of Farmhand are out. Well, I, it probably doesn't feel like a break, but <laughs> no, no. as a reader, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I was planning. I mean, the last fifteen issues have been. Uh, it's been it's been crazy. 
yeah uh, and good and i've learned a lot but you know i was looking forward to taking a, taking a nice chunk of time away and yeah. just kind of re- recharging and i swear to you that as soon as i hit uh i approved the the files for the new issue uh and i i was getting ready for my vacation exactly that day is when they declared the pandemic the pandemic and they they shut oh, down man. schools yeah so my kids have been home ever since so sure yeah it hasn't been much of a break uh yeah it's been a hairy right oh yeah totally well and that's just i mean that changes everything like yeah, just I, I have young kids so we're in that stage where we're like well they were they were home anyway they were here with us um, right. but yeah i mean home from school and just total totally changed uh went so 15 issues are out there's a a hiatus now while well, you're gearing back up and getting is it are, are you planning to run to 30 is that the ultimate yeah plan? i think 25 to 30 issues 25 to 30 cool when uh when are you planning on 16 coming back uh for readers i think it'll be early next year early um, next year yeah i mean i kind of have a pretty good roadmap for where i'm going um i know my ending i've, I've kind of known my ending from the beginning yeah um, it's just a matter of kind of getting there the way i want to um so yeah i'd say early next year cool cool what else uh what else do you have in the in the works obviously you're working on the pilot for amc which i'm sure is huge undertaking and very exciting uh anything else that you're like super excited about yeah um nothing i can really talk about though. all secret Uh, yeah yeah Yeah, i have i have a couple things i have something i'm actually working on for the book market um oh cool which should be interesting just because again, it's a, it is a completely new market for me. Yeah. Um, I, is that a calculated decision on your part to be like, I want to explore some, some of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and this was actually before, uh, before the COVID hit was just, I just kind of saw, yeah, the industry had shifted a bunch and I've been completely a hundred percent comics for the last 10 years or over 10 years, 12 years at this point. Um, and it just felt like a good opportunity to kind of stretch my legs and, uh, you know, see what happens when I, when I dip my toes into that, into that, uh, industry and it, sure. it so far has been really positive. Uh, so, you know, we'll see, but yeah, there's that, cool. um, what else we have some more stuff kind of kicking around with chew, a, a possible, uh, chew adaptation. Okay. So fingers crossed on that. If that works out, I think it'll be really special. Yeah. And yeah, I I always have at least a you know a handful of other kind of small projects that I'm kind of percolating on. It's just a matter of you know when do I put them out. Um, one of them, like I said, is a self-published thing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work, but uh, I'm a big fan of um, I'm a big fan of really nice production design, like a really well-made uh, kind of textural book. Um, so like I actually have an idea. That, um, for a really, it would be a probably a pretty small print run. Um, are you familiar for me with uh, I think his name's uh, I, I'm gonna butcher his pronunciation, but uh, Michelle Fife or Fife, uh, yeah, Copra, uh, right? Yeah, um, I love the fact that he was self publishing on, on Etsy way before he got picked up by Image, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I love the fact that he was literally doing everything from the ground up, including stapling the book and folding the book and yeah, you know, stamping every book. I mean, that's that's incredible. Uh, and my background was, uh, I was, I worked a copy shop for years. Um, so I love getting my hands into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so whatever I did in, in terms of self-publishing, it would be a very small print run, but my hand would be, my hands would be on every one of them. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's something I'm, I've been kicking around for a while too. Cool. Cool. No, that'd be, that's very exciting. Yeah. It sounds like that, 
that level of craft going into it is like super exciting, but also it's got to be a little intimidating in terms of like, oh man, I got to like literally build this. But you know, there's I'm sure there's a creative itch. That that oh yeah, yeah. To, it's, right? the, the hard part is a time investment. It's, yeah. it's you know, if you it's opportunity cost. If you're if you're working on one thing here, you can't be working on this over here. For um, sure. It's right. just carving out the right amount of time to make the work and then do all the other parts that go with it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm curious too. You mentioned the the book market thing, which you know we'll we'll see hopefully here um, soon. But you meant you have younger kids. Do you find yourself gravitating towards wanting to make stories for them, um, like in that younger realm, or is that just not the type of story you you create necessarily? They well, my uh, my oldest, who's nine, uh, he keeps asking me, yeah, um, like when are you going to make something that I can actually read? <laughs> right. I, I, I'll work on it. I don't. I don't know yet. Uh, but everything, like generally speaking, all of the pitches are the majority of the pitches I've been working on, and the ideas that come to me tend to uh, tend to be a bit darker, a bit more mature. Um, sure. You know, I'm 38. I'm coming up on 40. You know, we have three small kids at home, so like, there's a lot of like heavier things that typically are like on my mind. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've been. He's been bugging me about it, so I think it's going to have to happen probably in the next few years. Right. Right. Good deal. All right. Good. It'll be a, a win for him for sure. Um, cool. What, uh, kind of taking a, a different gear here, what is a, a comic or a work coming out right now that you think, uh, more people should be reading? Man, what, what should people be reading? That's hard. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not plugged in all that much right now. Sure. Uh, I can tell you the books, some of my favorite books, period. That I think I'm always surprised people don't know about these books. Yeah, uh, Lock and Key, uh, Joe Hill and Gabe Rodriguez over yep. at IDW. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess more people know about it now since it was a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but amazing, amazing series. Um, also, Southern Bastards, um, uh, Jason Aaron, which is been mm-hmm. one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I that uh, there are a lot of things about that book and how. Just how unique and self-contained and raw it was uh, right. that really inspired a lot of what I do in Farmhand. Mm, uh, I'd say that book and uh, Paper Girls from Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Um, those are probably the two books and Fell. Fell by Warren Ellis. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was another one that was just super, super influential to me and just kind of showed me what's possible, uh, you know, in as far as making not just a comic, but making an actual, like, uh, experience like, mm. like cover to cover one one vision uh, yeah. which is kind of what i've been doing with farmhand you know from cover to cover there's no ads in the back all the only ads are there in the back are you know stuff that are you know tied to farmhand or chew in some way right um, right yeah those are kind of my big ones but uh, all uh head, head lopper by andrew mclean mm. is another uh fantastic book so those are my okay big ones. i gotta read that i haven't actually I haven't made it to i've heard of head lopper but i haven't gotten around to it it is a it's a master class in storytelling. Yeah, um, I mean just just I mean his layouts, everything just seems so effortless. Um, and I kind of put him and uh, Capra in the same kind of category. Okay. There's just there's a rawness to it that honestly reminds me of when I first started making comics. When mm-hmm. I, I mean my first comic I made when I was like nine. Yeah, um, and it was just you know car you know construction paper stapled together with like color pencils. Right. Um, but Just having a, fun doing whatever you can think of. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a there's an experimentation 
because you have no expectations other than I'm going to, I'm going to mess with this and I'm going to, something's going to come out of it. Um, when I look at Copra and uh, Head Lopper, I see the same kind of experimentation. There's just a raw play and a love for what they're making. And you can tell like they're not really focused on, well, is this going to sell? Like who's going to buy this? You could tell they're just focused on making this thing. And right. uh, that, right. that it, it's very inspiring to me. Yeah. Yeah. You can always sense that passion. Very cool. Um, all right. Good deal. Is there anything else before we wrap that, uh, that you want to make sure people know about? No, uh, go to my website and uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, it's robguillory.com. Okay. Uh, I'm on Instagram, rob underscore guillory. And I'm also on Facebook. I think it's just rob.guillory. Good deal. Good deal. Thanks so much, Rob. Uh, I'm looking forward to the return of Farmhand. For those people listening who haven't read it and listened to all this, definitely go read the book. It's better even than this conversation, if you can believe it. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very good book. Uh, thanks so much, Rob. This was this was super fun, and uh, yeah, I appreciate your time.